This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's the Bartender Journey Podcast, number 150. Thanks for listening. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, I'm glad you're here today. We are going to talk with the man voted International Bartender of the Year at Tales of the Cocktail at the Spirited Awards in 2015. That's right, the best bartender in the world on this show. Coming up, his name is Mr. Lion, or that's his nickname, actually. His real name is Ryan with a really long name that's really hard to pronounce. Apparently, I don't, I don't know. know how to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> Chafee Wardena is the closest I've got to, and every time I've been Who back does? in <laughs> Sri Lanka, I keep getting told that's not even how it's said. So I don't know how it's said. I thought it was Chetty Wardana. That's, I mean, that's, that's why a I, was, I Yeah, I grew up saying it in different ways and then got told each time it was wrong. Okay. Well, you can't hear it on the recording, but somebody yelled out, oh, so you don't even know how to pronounce it, huh? Well, okay, it was me. I shouted that out. The event took place at the Dead Rabbit, downtown Manhattan, and was organized by the lovely Rebecca Dooley. Well, we're here at the best bar in, in the, the world. world with the best bartender in the world. Yeah. What, what could be better than this? Um, <laughs> very few things. Yeah. We have beer, we have whiskey. Yeah, I don't know what could be better Monkey than this. Monkey shoulder, I love it. I love monkey shoulder. It's great. Yeah, great. I mean, they, they brought me to New York, so. But Brooke, is, uh, Brooke is making a wonderful Manhattan with it. Yeah, Delicious. she is. Or, I'm she, sorry, an old-fashioned. She's making old-fashioned. Old-fashioned. But it, I think, and she's doing other stuff as well, so she'll... She's awesome. Yeah, she is. <laughs> so tell, tell us about the London sessions and now the New York sessions. What, how, how did it start? And how, how It you... started with a guy called Tom Estes, who is the owner of Ocho Tequila. Okay. And he owns two bars in London and one in Paris. He's actually opened 18 venues over the past 30 years. So he's in older gentleman he's okay. in his 60s and he's from california huh. so he's, he's a bit of a hippie but right. he's also a very switched on businessman right um and he and i meet up every month or so uh-huh. and have a chat and on this occasion it was last summer and sean and jack uh, from dead rabbit were coming over to london and tom and i were saying we should do something with them but not just a training event like that's so boring like what can we get them to do that's going to be interesting right so he said, let's just get them to tell the stories that we love hearing. Mm. Like, when I hang out with Sean, yeah, he's t- he tells me, like, just he has the best stories that are inspiring and, like, but that he doesn't get asked those questions by magazines right, or right. in training sessions. So we're like, let's just get him to tell his stories. Yeah. So that's how it started. Yeah, um, yeah. And Sean did our first one in London. Oh, nice. Well, Mr. Lyon has a very unique uh, approach to bartending, and uh, we're going to hear more about it from him in a little bit, but uh, his, his technique is very technical. Well, he studied biology at uni, right. so right, I know right. it's not the same as chemistry, but he has a, background, a science background. Yeah. Well, I love, yeah, he has a science background, he has a chef background, and he, he has, has a, a uh, fine psychology. Art and psychology. Well, I, that's what I we do with bartenders. I guess that's kind of like how you make a great bartender, <laughs> right? Yeah. Psychology, art, and... So I, I think Chef psychology thing? is probably first. Oh, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the chef aspect might be last, but yeah. I don't know. So we're going to talk to Mr. Lyon in just a minute. But uh, for more information about the London Sessions, go to Facebook and search for London Sessions. Uh, at the moment, I don't think there's plans to do it in the U.S. again, uh, but I'm sure their plans will be forthcoming. And uh, if you're if you're in London, definitely check it out. So, uh, yeah, just go over to that page and like it. London Sessions on Facebook. Before we talk to Mr. Lyon, I have a couple other things to talk about. Uh, we have Whiskey Live coming up here in New York on February 24th. 
2015. And we have two tickets to give away. So uh, if you go over to bartenderjourney.net, go to the contact page, write in your, your name and your email address, and just write a little note uh, that you know, you'd like to enter the contest to for the tickets to Whiskey Live. I got a chance to talk to Dave Sweet, who's the president and owner of the Whiskey Live events in North America. Dave Sweet. Hey, it's Brian Weber here. Hi, Brian. How are you? Very good. Yourself? Getting ready for New York next week. All right. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining me today. It's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Thanks. Well, uh, I'm so excited. To, uh, Whiskey Live is in New York next week, February 24th, and it'll be my first time attending, and I, I just can't wait. What can attendees uh, expect from the event? Well, we normally have uh, in the neighborhood of about 300 different whiskeys, um, and we run the full range from the very big, you know, classic scotches, everything from your very typical Johnny Walker, which always has some new things out, which is always interesting, your single malts, of course, all of your bourbons, and then uh, a very, very wide range of craft. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the new up-and-coming whiskeys are all the Irish, and we have a nice selection of Irish whiskeys. Tullamore Dew is new with us this year. So it's, it's a range from around the world. And even some very interesting craft from from abroad. Yeah, I really want to get into craft, especially from abroad, because that's uh, I, I know quite a bit about uh, United States craft uh, whiskeys, but not, not much about international. But uh, let's first talk about uh, Irish whiskeys. That's really taking off, isn't it? Uh, yes, uh, it's kind of like being rediscovered all over again. They're coming out with more and more expressions. It, it's being expounded on, uh -huh. I guess, is the best way to do it. Yeah, the craft thing is so interesting because I, I don't know what's your opinion. In my opinion, it seems like the craft thing has just launched this whole renewed interest in whiskey. Do you, do you think that's the case or it comes from something else? No, absolutely. Um, whiskey tends to follow beer. Yeah. First of all, all whiskey is beer, and then mm -hmm. it's just still the second time, of course. But right. it tends to follow the same trends. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know where whiskey's going to be three years from now, take a look at where beer is today. Mm. Um, so whiskey is enjoying that renaissance as a whole. Right. And then uh, the craft allows, there are no rules, there are no limits, which are what's so cool about craft. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's funny because it, you kind of see the big brands almost trying to keep up with the little guys, you know, all of a sudden, oh, you know, we've got to come out with this uh, single barrel or, you know, something, which is which is cool, but it's just funny that they're kind of playing catch up. <laughs> and it's they've actually really brought back categories that were not a big deal and some of it is some of it is what you just said uh the craft guys are catching up and creating some very very interesting single malts that was a language that really didn't exist or didn't uh, was really under the radar here in east it was all about bourbon and some other things so the single malts and then single barrels are stepping back up again um so yeah and then the, the flavored and we are we are proponents of flavored whiskey. There's a lot of people that poo-poo it, and um, I am all for it. Yeah. I think it opens up the category, and it, and it makes things very, very interesting. Well, it makes it more accessible to pe some people anyway. You know, as, as bartenders, we often encounter guests who, oh, no, I don't, I don't drink whiskey, you know. But uh, I guess that's one way. That's something I wanted to ask you, actually. Like, how would you, how would you approach uh, somebody who's scared of whiskey, for lack of a better term? You know, part of it is understanding that whiskey is a very, very broad phrase that we misunderstand here. If you ask mm. 100 people at a bar, do you drink whiskey? They'll say, no, I drink bourbon. <laughs> yeah. Do you drink whiskey? No, no, no. I, I'm a scotch drinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's obviously, so whiskey's real generic. Whiskey is equivalent to wine uh, such as Merlot, Chablis, 
Cabernet Sauvignon. They're all wines. Right. They're all just different types. So for somebody getting started into it, and I apologize for the long answer to your short question, no. um, I would say go into a cocktail. Yeah. There's <laughs> whiskey and ginger ale. I don't care what whiskey, it goes well together. It's great, isn't it? I lo- you know, I, I, I love it with uh, whiskey, ginger ale, little bitters, and a lemon. It's awesome. That's it. And and if I'm at a bar that is not a whiskey bar, I can get Walker Black anywhere in the world. Right. And Johnny Black on the rocks with a splash of ginger ale, and I know I can I can get that literally anywhere. That's so true. I do that a lot when I'm out at some bar that I'm not familiar with, and I don't know. You know, I'm kind of spoiled in the in the cocktail scene. But you know, if I'm at a, I, I have a hard time drinking at uh, bars who don't know anything about the cocktail world. You know, so either I'll drink something neat or or or, or on the rocks, or I'll get that whiskey and ginger ale. It's great with with bitters and a lemon. For new whiskey drinkers to start, uh, the flavored whiskeys are a door opener. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been saying it for years. I, I believe in it. Um, it's great for line extensions. It gets brands renoticed again, and it brings in that younger drinker who isn't quite up for uh, a peated scotch neat just yet. Right, right. Uh, well, I'm, I'm also excited to take the Stave and Thief Society Bourbon Certification. Can't wait for that. That's really that's really fun. So what can I expect there? Um, well, it's the first time ever out of Kentucky, so this is a major coup for us. It took mm. a lot of coaxing to get them to come north. Nice. But, uh, uh, and as a matter of fact, I was speaking with them today. They're going to bring you through an entire range of new make whiskey, what it tastes like, all the way to uh, finished bourbons. And then the different flavor profiles, what brings those flavor profiles out, um, what you're going to get from the wood, and then from the aging and maturations. And then um, it doesn't say on the website, and I probably should update that, but they're going to give you a nice little finish as well. So you'll you'll uh, have uh, a couple little surprises. Oh, nice. Nice, nice. I've been to a couple of whiskey blending seminars. One, one from uh, Angel's Envy, where they give you, they give you three uh, samples or, or expressions of their of their whiskey, and then it's it's blended together. You know, right. it's it's funny that that expression blended whiskey is also something that's very misunderstood. But uh, you know, most unless it's single barrel, it it is blended in some way. Well, exactly, and and it's more of a Scotch expression, yeah, a UK expression. We're warming into it here. We don't define it as much. So sometimes it's just a matter of language barriers. And that's where it's a matter of understanding. Mm-hmm. And um, something like the Stave and Thief course, um, we also have, uh, for the first time ever in the United States, Diageo is bringing over their uh, malt advocate course. Yeah. And um, I need to find a better way to get this out. The people that are teaching it are the absolute senior people for Diageo on a global level. Right. Nick Morgan is coming over from Scotland. He actually invented the program mm. many months ago and probably doesn't appreciate me saying that. <laughs> and then uh, Ewan Morgan and uh, uh, Gregor Katanak, both second generation with Diageo, are teaching this program. And this is phenomenal. We're excited about it. So you have scotch and bourbon yeah. that you can learn uh, learn about before Whiskey Live. And then the idea is you can then go into Whiskey Live truly with a much better understanding. And no matter who you are, you will get something out of this course. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, those two courses are, are exactly the same time. <laughs> right, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> any, any thought of expanding this to where you might uh, go in for another day? You know, it, that has been tried. Um, yeah. well, there's another... 
group that's done two-day tasting events and actually was like London is two days. But with the courses and with the classes, possibly perhaps maybe the evening before, mm-hmm. which is actually something we would look at. We could do one in the morning and one in the afternoon, but that would be an awful lot. That's a long care. day. Your, 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 your palate's getting pretty beat up. Exactly. Um, and then Whiskey Live that night. Yeah. So for now, we're going to ask people to have to choose, mm-hmm. but we'll do it <laughs> Do it again next year. Awesome. And uh, so do bourbon one and then scotch the next or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. And so, but the day before you do have the whiskey and spirits conference. So that's for whiskey producers, right? Uh, it's for everybody in the industry. So okay. it's retailers, F&B directors, bar managers, um, all the way up to the producers, the master distillers, the brand ambassadors, uh, importers, and so forth. It's about the industry. Okay. And one of those things is we were talking about craft. Uh, the president of American Craft Spirits Association, uh, Margie, will will come up from D.C. and talk about the future of craft. Interesting. Very cool. Uh, any any thoughts of uh, aiming seminars at bartenders? Yeah, we would love to, and and. Our PR person, uh, Francine Cohen, is very much the bar enthusiast and cocktail enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had the right buy-in from the bartenders and from the uh, from the bars, which we sort of do, yeah. um, and the right platform, I would be all for it. Yeah, cocktails are the gateway, as we just spoke, to yeah. whiskey drinkers and the new the new modern cocktails are just unbelievable yeah well, then not, not even just about cocktails but about spirit education for bartenders i mean all all the brand ambassadors i speak to they're they're very focused on the on the bartenders and i feel that this is a way to get their message out you know what i mean Ab- absolutely the people that really sell the whiskey that educate the consumers are the bartenders right yep absolutely yeah yeah well cool i won't take up too much more of your time i'm sure you're very busy with this uh coming up next week and uh, very much looking forward to the event, as I said, and uh, perhaps uh, we can share a dram. Oh, absolutely. I am on the floor. Uh, I do not sit down from 530 <laughs> to 10. Awesome. And then make sure you come hungry. The buffet is fantastic. We did a little bit of a of a Europe meets America type of thing where you have a shepherd's pie mm-hmm. infused with bourbon. Nice. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> and Chelsea Pierce never lets us down, so I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Awesome. Dave, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Have a good one. Cheers. Well, there you go. Whiskey Live in New York City on February 24th at Chelsea Piers. And as I said, you can win two tickets. One winner gets two tickets. All you have to do is go over to bartenderjourney.net, go to the contact page, enter your email address and your name, and just write a short note that you'd like to enter the contest for the Whiskey Live tickets. And I hope you win. If you don't win, you can uh, use, here's a discount code for you. Go, go to whiskeylive.com and use this discount code for 10% off. W-L-N-Y-1-6, W-L-N-Y-1-6, 10% off for non-winners at Whiskey Live. Hey, I hope to see you there. All right, we're going to talk to Mr. Lion, best international bartender at 2015 Spirited Awards. That tells of the cocktail. We're going to talk to Mr. Lion in just a minute. But first, I want to remind you, our sponsor is BevSpot. BevSpot.com, they want to help you run a better beverage program from inventory to ordering, forecasting, and PARs. They really want to help you. And uh, let's talk to CEO Rory Crawford. 
He's going to tell you how you can book a free online demo, and it's done over screen share, so uh, you don't have to go anywhere, and they don't have to come to you. So if you go on our website, you'll see a you know an upper right button that says request a demo, and what happens there is you'll get contacted by one of our scheduling people. Uh, we'll walk you through the you know the product and how it works, and then we'll book a time, and typically it's a 30 to 60 minute walkthrough of our entire product, and we will we'll screen share the the demo with you and walk you through answering any questions you have and showing you our actual live product. All right. So it's an online demo. It's an online demo. Everything's done virtually for us. You know, we find people in this industry are so busy. Yeah. Um, you know, you really just got to find a time that works. All you need to do is be in front of a computer. Right. And and that can be in the morning, the evening, the afternoon. What we do is we send you an email with a link. You click the link and then you see my screen and then I walk you through the product and answer any questions you have. Great. And so it's available in the US and Canada, I know, and limited to those two countries. It's available globally. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, globally. So, um, you know, it certainly works best. Uh, we don't have any translation services in the mm, product today. Mm -hmm. So where we're really focused on is um, English-speaking countries. So, you know, we're talking to some people in Ireland. Canada is great for us. Uh, but but it works anywhere. Um, it works any state in the United States. Um, in the last, I think, 90 days, we've gotten into 25 new states. So, you know, that's fantastic. We've gotten into a couple new countries. So, yeah, anywhere where traditionally in English speakers, uh, where you're dealing with inventory, ordering sales and, and struggling through the process and you think there might be a better way, um, we'd love to do a demo with you and kind of show you what a different way could be and see if we can kind of find a way to help. So you can get over to bartenderjourney.net and on the main page, the podcast page, you'll see on the upper right hand side a, a banner for BevSpot. Or uh, you can go to BevSpot.com and look for their resources page. They have a lot of free stuff for you there. There's an online drink pricing and costing tool. There's a download uh, ebook you can download, guide to bar management, and there's uh, even cocktail recipes and videos. So uh, check that out, BevSpot.com. All right, let's talk to the reigning champion of world's best bartender. Well, Mr. Lyon, thank you so much for joining me today, and thank Absolute you for pleasure. inviting me to this event. It was wonderful. Thank you very much. It's really nice to have you. Say, well, here we are at the best bar, bar in the world with the best bartender in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty lovely surroundings to be in as well. I actually hadn't been up to this room. I hadn't. I hadn't I've been, been to the bar plenty of times. Yeah, and, yeah, me uh, too. It's really nice to have this space, and it's obviously it's great friends to be kind of like amongst. Obviously. Jack and Sean with the bar, but also a lot of people are down today as well. Isn't it, isn't it great just being among the, some of the best bartenders in the city? And it, it's I mean, just... it, yeah, it, I mean, it's really nice being amongst that kind of peer set. They're, they're, yeah. they're, Jack and Sean, I've known Jack for years, uh, but what's really nice as well is actually not only meeting new people, but actually a different generation as bartender as well. It's like it's what I think Rebecca's doing with the London sessions is is brilliant for like every part of that, like different kind of like strata of it. You've got very experienced bartenders, you've got young bartenders who just want to learn more, right. and they want to learn off kind of people they've heard about, people they've kind of seen in different bars, and that's that's what's brilliant about bringing this all together. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting, you, you brought up the point um, during the talk about, uh, you know, the, the difference between what the sort of timeout magazines and those kind of things will write about, yeah. and then, you know, what we talk about here with with professionals, you know, and, and, it, Absolutely. and it, it, it it's easy once you get involved in this world to, to sort of forget about the consumer yeah, side yeah. of things, you know. Yeah. And, and I think it's crucial not to split the two as well. Like, you know, what we do for bartenders isn't that it's completely alien to what a consumer would be interested in and vice versa. It's just about, you know, remembering both sets of people right, and right. Uh, making sure that, you know, it's applicable to both and that you have something that interests both sides of those things as well. Well, I'm very curious because your, your menu, your cocktail menu is... is Pretty intense. I mean, at, <laughs> at, you know, at White Lion, and it, and it's. Um, I mean, even for me, who's kind of versed in this kind of thing, I'm like, 
What does that mean? Softened yeah. Manhattan. I don't even yeah, know yeah. what that means. Or turbocharged lime. Yeah, like, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, and that's and that's kind of part of the story. There are certain things that we do that, you know, that, that there's a. It's relevant as a as a tagline, as a as a as a descriptor, but it's it's about encouraging a conversation as well. Right. So people know what a Manhattan is, but then they want to know what the pillow Manhattan is. Why is it softened? What does that mean? Why is there leather in this? Well, what does it mean? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> well, tell me. <laughs> oh, so that, that that was um, that was almost about embracing the idea of of bottle effect. Okay. So it was about kind of rounding out flavors, and so we we use heat as a as an accelerant of that. Oh, so we wow. actually we looked to going right. Well, if we increase the kind of uh, thermal capacity of this drink, it ends up kind of forcing those interactions more, but we don't want to cook it off because you don't want to cook off the alcohol, so we vacuum pack it and we sous vide it. And so what that does is it then, you, you're rounding out some of these flavors, you don't get the big spikes of, of kind of the vermouth and then the bitters and then the whiskey, what mm. you get is a more kind of harmonious, softened okay. uh, kind of take on a Manhattan. Okay. How about the turbocharged lime, what's that about? So the turbocharged <laughs> was quite fun, it was, um, you know, I think a lot of people thought it was like, right, well, how do you recreate a lime? And it, that was never the f function for us. It wasn't about kind of going, we can reproduce a lime in a certain way. But what we did find is we can, we can if we want to. We can take a lime and re reconfigure it out of distillates and salts and acids and sugars. And what we can actually do is amplify those flavors. We can turbocharge it. It's like almost making a lime on crack. Yeah. Uh, and so kind of how can we um, use that to kind of really have a massive limey zestiness, a fragrance, all of those things, and like almost an exploded flavor of those citrus. Okay. Well, for, for people who don't know, your, your bar, White Lion, has, uh, uses no ice and no, and no citrus. And is that, um, what was the thought process behind that? Is it a sustainability issue or? Uh, I suppose it was, it was a couple of things. It yeah. was a sustainable thing. It was, it was going, right, why are we throwing, why are we buying in lemons to juice only one aspect of it and then throw the rest away? Right. I mean, there was, there was a, there seemed something quite um, kind of unthought out about that whole process that I wanted to challenge. Mm. But it was also about going, right, how can we, address the fundamentals about being a bartender. How do we look after people? How do we can take control of things? How do we make it a setting where we can spend more time with people? Yeah. And so we, we challenged the whole setup. We looked at the industry and went, are there other ways of doing things? Can we stimulate a discussion here? But ultimately, can we look after our guests in a better way? Right. And, and we, we just took apart the things and we reconfigured it and, 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 and challenged that setup and took away the things that we couldn't control. All right. So. So all, all these cocktails are, are pre-batched and, and bottled. That's right. And and kept cold. Yes. Um, so, uh, the, main, mainly, there was a couple we do at room temperature as well. Okay. Uh, but um, are they individually bottled or...? or yeah. So, in, each, so each, 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 each drink has its own one, bottle, its right. own label, its, um, its own combination of glass temperature, storage, all of those things. Yeah, that was uh, fascinating that you said the, the, the cocktail is one temperature and the glass is yeah, a little, yeah. a little yeah. colder, right? Yeah, and it, it depends on the on the drink. Right. Some will be like for like, some will be a contrast, and some it's all about this kind of, it's the journey of the drink. Um, and we, yeah, we try and control as much as we can with that, and we, yeah, every drink is then finished on the spot. It's It goes through a final flourish before it's given to the guest. Uh, and we, we try and do that as delicately and as hands-off as possible to try and preserve everything we're trying to create in that cocktail. You mentioned the the arc of a drink, which is something I had, had never really... Well, you think about it because there's more di dilution as you go yeah. along. But other than that, I hadn't really given that much thought. Can you, can you talk about that a little? Well, I think it's something that a bartender does do intuitively. Right. So you go, right, I want to serve this drink 
over-ice. I'm, I'm making a highball and I'm going to build it so it's not agitated too much. I'm going to keep the preservation of the bubbles by serving it in this manner. I'm going to use this ice and this garnish and all those things. So it's something that you naturally do when you follow the formula of kind of classic cocktails to, to kind of take a drink on a certain journey. We just pay absolute attention to it because we can design that as part of the drink. So we, we include the way that the drink is going to unfold. And obviously we make certain assumptions about how long somebody will be with a drink and uh, what, what will happen with it. But it was, um, it's designed in a manner that it goes through this journey. And it's a very personal interaction with it. And so it might be that the way your palate gets accustomed to certain flavors and then the journey changes. It might be the temperature. It might be the, the way the glass unfolds. All of those things. It, it, it's all about the, as I say, the arc to the drink. That's really something to think about because, you know, like you said, I guess it's intuitive. But, but uh, when you put a little more thought to it, you can get more out of it. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I'm also fascinated by the, the fact that your, uh, your cocktail menu is pretty reasonably priced, you know, yeah. and, and, and congratulations for that. Thank you. Um, but I'm curious how you control the costs. I mean, a, a couple questions here. You, you mentioned that the bar was opened on a shoestring budget, which yeah. you, you wouldn't think, you know, a world-class bar would, would be like that. But, uh, you know, but I, I'm even more curious about how, how you're able to control the costs. Well, it was, um, it was an important thing for us because we wanted to make cocktails accessible. And if they're you know, three times the price of what people usually pay for their drinks if they're not drinking a cocktail, then that's going to be a barrier. You know, you've got to do a lot of convincing to to explain to people the value. And I, I still believe there is value in those yeah, cocktails, right. but, you know, you need to... It, it's a very... It's a harder conversation if, you, um, if you're trying to put something that seems such a big chump. But with the, uh, with the drinks, because of the way we, we produce them, we can take away a lot of those costs. We don't have the same... Uh, kind of ingredient costs because we make a lot of our own ingredients. We're not buying in store-bought versions oh, a lot of the time. Cost, there is a labor cost for sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was also the motivation about being in East London. You know, we don't, we weren't taking the the kind of rental capacity of, of being in a premium location. We we had the... the <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so we, you know, there was a... Not only did it then create a certain intrigue and it attracts a certain people in those that area of town, but there was overheads that we didn't have. And we, we run a very tight ship and it's, you know, like it's, we, we pay our staff like well because that's a valuable thing to us, but we pay what we can afford and we, we reduce the cost of the drink to try and uh, be as keenly priced as possible. And we, we, we do it in a manner that we're just trying to be as, uh, yeah, as... I guess, come to think of it, pre-batching the cocktails, I mean, you know exactly what that's going to cost you, whereas with re-pouring, there's some variance there. Yeah, we don't get market variances in terms of the price of a case of lemons, which can rocket quite quickly and it can change and the quality changes, all those things. We we can be much more consistent and we can source things, we can work with suppliers because we know we're going to be using a certain ingredient. Say if there's a certain vinegar or a certain powder or something we need, then we can work very keenly with them to to get exactly what we, we need in a, in a quantity we need without the same waste and all of those things that we would usually have. And the spirits are your own. So uh, they are, You yeah. talked about it during the seminar a little bit, but uh, I'd love to hear more about that. It's fascinating. I mean, it was a very fun thing to do as well. You know, from a bartender's perspective, being able to make your own spirits is a, is a, is a great project to be involved in. And um, it was something that was... You know, again, a bigger learning thing. It's like we've been involved in, all of us have been involved in uh, the, the drinks world for a, a good number of years, but that doesn't make us experts. So we had to had to learn quick, work with some really amazing people, very talented people to to create something that we were proud of. So, so you're sourcing ingredients from, from existing uh, manufacturers, distillers, yes. uh, which um, 
I asked the question during the seminar, but uh, actually that can become more cost efficient. You, you don't have this three-tier system like we no, have in the United absolutely. States. So, so that's got to help. Yeah, and we can work directly with uh, distillery. So the white spirits are much easier. They are our distillates and we then cut with our water. The, the aged spirits we work with, we set parameters on what we were looking for. So we want a bourbon with a rye content of X to be aged between 6 and 15 years. And we, we, you know, we, we went for premium products on these. They weren't, they weren't cut price in any way. Yeah. Uh, but it allowed us to, to take that control and, and take ownership of something right from the beginning. That's control right there, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, your bartenders that work for you, here they are working for the man voted best international bartender, and that's got to be a lot of pressure. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be honest, I think that award is, is partly theirs as well. Like, yeah. the, the team yeah, is yeah. what's made everything that we've achieved possible. Right. And I really do have the best team in the world. I know that's a, a, a statement that it's, it, everybody can probably lay claim to as well, but I, I've, I've been very fortunate to attract some really talented people from lots of different backgrounds and we have an amazing set of people working with us and it i don't see it as working for me i see it as i work with them and it, it, it's I'm, I'm very fortunate about that well, what do you look for what, what qualities do you look for when hiring um it's it's always important that people share the same outlook to me it's about looking after people that's what a bar is about so it's crucial that they they have that same same perspective um, but also that they're keen to try and do things differently. We don't, we don't play by the rules. We do things our own way, and, and people need to be willing and um, kind of courageous enough to kind of step outside their comfort zone. Mm. And that's what we really try and look for. We look for people who, who want to push themselves, who want to strive for being the best they can, um, and, but also are honest about their own perspective, their own background, and what they want to achieve. Right, right. When, when you're creating a, a cocktail, what inspires you? What, you know, where, do, where do you draw your inspiration and, and where do you get these well, wild, I mean, crazy ideas? <laughs> I, think, I think some has always come from my background. Yeah. So having a very background, I always draw on that. But it's, it really comes from everywhere, from traveling, from speaking to new people, from collaborating with the team. That really kind of sparks, and it could be anything. It could be a flavor, it could be a story, it could be a ritual that we then start to expand on and build out. and. You know, sometimes it's a technique that we discover or, or, or have heard about or, you know, it really does come from so many different sources and kind of different backgrounds that it becomes, um, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint anything in particular that we then draw from. Mm. And last question, uh, designing a cocktail menu, do you, how do you approach it? Do you think it has to have some kind of... Um, something for everybody or does it have to have some kind of cohesiveness or... I think it's got to have a cohesiveness and it's got to have a balance, but I don't think it's... You don't have to be all things to all men, mm. like it's uh, and women, of course. But mm. it's um, you know, it's it, it's about kind of covering uh, a range of, of of styles and occasions, and that's universal. That's regardless of gender. That's regardless of age. That's regardless of you know background. It's it, it's all about kind of telling stories, about reflecting um, needs and wants in within the cocktail. So across the menu, we we try and look to that. What can we do that's gonna you know, suit these different occasions. What, you know, if people are coming through the bar, we know that people want a zesty, fresh style serve. Do we have something that covers that? Do we have something that's brooding and rich and, you know, when people want something and, you know, we'll, we'll adapt, we'll find the certain drinks on the menu. People go through a certain number of drinks and they go, where do we go next? Yeah. And we go, huh, actually, we don't know what we would recommend next. That's, that will then trigger us to kind of explore that category and, and that occasion or that need. And so we'll, yeah, we'll constantly update and look to, to where we think we need balance across the menu. It's hard. You know, I, I'm trying to design a cocktail menu now, and it's like, I, I, all I can think about is what these people are going to accept, you know? Like, yeah. what the, 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 these 
particular people that come into my bar are going to go for the... I can't do the menu that I would want to. Yeah. It has to be designed for them, not me. But I, I think that's important. <laughs> I think it's about stepping outside of your own um, kind of preferences. Yeah. And it's about going, right, well... I do want to challenge some people in some senses, but yeah. I also want people to be comfortable, so I'm not going to alienate everybody. Um, and so it's 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 kind of hitting all those things. And I think that's the balance of being a, a bartender, a bar operator, is is trying to go, does this cover everything that our guests will need? Right, right. Thank you so much for talking absolute to me. Pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And uh, congratulations on Thank all you your success. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Hope you. to run into you at Tails this year. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Fun day and an interesting guy. I don't know if you caught all that, but uh, at his bar, uh, White Lion, he they use no uh, citrus, they use no ice, and they source all their own spirits, and uh, he really does everything differently. It's pretty cool. If you want to learn more about Mr. Lion, go over to MrLion.com. So we skipped over the book of the week and the cocktail of the week th- this week. That's all right. But if you get over to bartenderjourney.net, you'll see some Amazon links, and you'll see I've been working on that website a bit to clean it up. So, uh, yeah, check out bartenderjourney.net. The contact page is there, too. I'd love to hear from you. If you go over to the bartenderjourney.net, go to the contact page. You can enter that contest to win two tickets to Whiskey Live here in New York on February 24th. And I'll be picking one winner at random on February 18th. So get over there quick and uh, enter the contest or just uh, use the contact form to say hi or uh, get in touch for any reason at all. We're going to do our weekly toast in just a minute, but I'll just remind you, my name is Brian Vincent Weber. This is the Bartender Journey Podcast and I'm glad you listened today. Are you subscribed? Make sure you're subscribed to the show so you get the new shows as soon as they become available automatically downloaded to your phone or whatever. Make sure you're subscribed. On bartenderjourney.net, there's a subscribe page and if you have any questions at all about how to subscribe, you can use that page to help you out. There's even a video or two to uh, clarify things for you. Remember, our sponsor is BevSpot and they want to help you run a better bar program, so check that out too. All right, here's our toast and this is from Chelsea Handler. There are two kinds of people I don't trust. People who don't drink and people who collect stickers. Cheers. We'll talk to you next time on Bartender Journey. The lid is off with the downfall of Prohibition being celebrated in real old-time hilarity.